Welcome to Do Tell, where we dwell on the everyday lovely. My name is Ryan, and it's my hope that this podcast encourages you in your relationship with God and helps you focus on the lovely life He has given you. Hello, everyone. After a week off, I am so glad to be back again. So thanks for hitting play. For our dwelling moment today, I want you to think about a time where God was God in your life. What I mean by that is, when was a time where God was your provider, your savior, your healer, your protector, when he loved you or forgave you? A time where there is absolutely no doubt in your mind that God was in that situation with you and it ended in good. Some of these experiences for me are practically imprinted. Remembering the moment feels just as real today as it did when it happened. So take your time to dwell on this. Go ahead and pause this podcast, and when you are ready, press play again. So we are going to start off with an honest moment from me. When I plan out these podcasts, I have so many rough drafts before I get to the final product. I've had these ideas to do these series, and trust me, I have enough information to write them, but then I get to recording the podcast and God says, nope, today we are talking about this. So as much as I want to continue in our goal setting series, what I heard today was people need to be encouraged. So today we are talking about being singly minded on letting God be God. So thank you for moving with me in this direction. Like I said, we have been talking about goal setting and hearing from God praying about our goals, making sure that the motivation behind them is seeking the kingdom first, our goals being rooted in scripture, and then being singly focused on listening to what God has told us. We rooted our goals really well and the word of God and started off strong. And let's check in now. If you did make a New Year's resolution or goals for the new year, it has been officially one month. How's it going? I would actually love to hear all of your progress and good reports. I have been so on top of my health goal. I plan to start getting up and going to the gym at 4.30 in the morning most days of the week so that I would ensure I got my workout in. And overall, it's been a success. It has actually been more of a blessing than I even thought it would be. I get to start work earlier because I'm up earlier. I put on Bible verses to listen to on my drive to the gym. And I actually have been more active throughout my entire day because of it. While I am so thankful that God has given me the strength and discipline to completely change my life schedule from being a night person to a morning person, my other goals aren't moving at the same pace. And in that, I have been so humbled and gained some wisdom. So I can't wait to share some encouragement for you today if you are in a similar situation. So let's dig into the word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We view it as holy and know that it is alive and active and that you have great revelation for us today as we read it and hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up to Psalms 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, 
and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and behold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. So let's get some background here. This psalm was written by none other than King David. If you don't know who David was, he was many things. Some of his greatest accomplishments were defeating the Philistine Philistine army by killing Goliath with a sling and a rock. He was also a great warrior, a musician, and he was anointed by God as king of Israel. And in his journey to becoming king, he also did some amazing things. But what is most notable in the Bible about David is what God says about him in Acts 13.22. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. In knowing all of this about David, it's pretty interesting then, learning that the psalm was written by him. And actually, this psalm was written after David had committed adultery and murder, and the prophet Nathan had gone to speak to him about his actions. Although David had everything and had a heart after God, he messed up. He went after the desires of his flesh and was rebuked for it. But we can see that David listened to the Lord and had a repentant heart. He recognized his sin and his mistake and brought it to God and asked for forgiveness. I mean, that psalm is all-encompassing of the guilt and baggage of sin and asking God to take it over. In verse 14, where he said, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. David really did have a heart after God. He really did feel the guilt of killing a man undeserving of death. And if this psalm didn't prove enough his heart after God, you could also look to 2 Samuel 1, 17-27, where David wrote a lamentation about Saul and Jonathan, the same Saul who tormented David's life for years, who literally chased him down and had him on the run with the intent of killing him. David mourned for this man, 
and told others to mourn for him as well, because he saw him through God's eyes. He knew that God loved Saul and had anointed him to be king, even though he lost his way. David loved the Lord, yet he missed the mark, missed it in a big way. But regardless, he kept his heart after the Lord. He talked to God and gave the things that he had no control over to him. He knew that he could never forgive himself for killing a man, and he couldn't take the guilt of that out of his heart. But God could. See, when we mess up, God still remains faithful to us and doesn't hold our sin over our heads. Although there was a price that was paid for David's sin, it did all work out for his good. He ended up keeping Bathsheba as his wife and had another child with her named Solomon, who out of all of his sons would end up taking the throne of Israel after he died and he would be the wisest king to ever live. While I'm not comparing not meeting your goals to sin, I was comparing it to guilt or shame you may be feeling for not completing your goals. Feeling like you let yourself down, or that you even let God down. Maybe some of your goals were to live a life more pleasing to God, and you've been sin you've been in sin as you haven't met the new mark you set. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are forgiven, that you are not called to live a life in shame, guilt, and discouragement. Remember that God is more interested on the inside than the outside. Actually, when he was telling the prophet Samuel that he was going to appoint a new king in place of Saul, he told Samuel this in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God knows your intention. Not only does he know it, He sees it, not the outward appearance of your success or failure, but he actually sees the posture of your heart toward him. He sees your intent. He sees your desire. He sees where you are trying to go, even if it hasn't come to pass in the outward physical part yet. We need to set our heart after God, and then we need to let God be God, and we need to let him work in his own timing. See, first off, God didn't even want Israel to have a king at this time. The Israelites asked slash begged Samuel to appoint a king over them so that they would be like the other nations. Instead of wanting God to go out and fight their battles for them, they were asking for a king to rule over them and to go and fight their battles. Imagine how that hurt God's heart. However, God told Samuel, do as the people ask, but tell them this. And 1 Samuel 8, 10 through 20, Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys 
he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us, to go out before us and fight our battles. Then if you read more of 1 Samuel, you will see how Saul led the people astray and caused many to die. See, God did want a king for Israel, but he had a plan for the right time for this king. However, as much as God is the king of kings, he is not a dictator. He is so gracious and always tells us our choices and the results of those consequences beforehand. So God gave the Israelites fair warning to not ask for a king, but they didn't change their minds and God granted their request. See, the key is not to live life telling God what to do, but walking in step with God, letting God go before you and fight your battles so all you have to do is follow behind him. God's beautiful plan for your life does not involve you doing all of the work and him sitting back and watching the show of all of your struggles. Deuteronomy 130-33 says, The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you, according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son, and all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all of that, you did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you, to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go, in the fire by night, and in the cloud by day. God goes before us. He tells us in Proverbs 16.3, Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. He also tells us in Proverbs 16.9, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now this might seem like a contradiction from what I said earlier, that God is not a dictator because this kind of seems like a dictator, right? Whatever you plan to do doesn't matter because God is going to direct your movements regardless. But that is not what this verse is saying. This verse is for a person after God's heart. Remember Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God wants the best for us. And God knows us better than we know ourselves. When we make our plans, he knows the best outcome of that plan for us. My best example is my college plan. I had planned on going to college. I knew I was going, and I was set on going to a Christian college and living there because I wanted to grow closer to God and make lifelong friends, which I figured would be easier as we had God in common already. Well, long story short, Christian college didn't happen, and I ended up at a Cal State that I commuted to. The first month was really hard. I had no friends. I spent three hours a day in my car. This was not at all what I had planned for college. Then one day, a Christian club had a snow cone stand at the front of the college and ended up getting my information. I went to my first Bible study a couple weeks later, and I didn't stop going for the next five years. I was able to go to retreats and amazing places. I was part of an outreach team. 
I spoke in front of up to 100 people. I made lifelong friends, and God used me to lead many people to him. On top of that, I re-met my now best friend, who is truly the greatest gift that God has given me. I couldn't imagine a better college experience. And if I had had it my way and gone to a Christian college, I wouldn't have stepped into the ministry the way I did. I wouldn't have my best friend, and it wouldn't have been the best for me. And God wants to give us the best. The most important thing for us is to keep our heart after God. It is to listen when God directs us, even if it doesn't make sense. It is to not be stuck in our ways and pride and be able to take God's correction and direction in our life. It is to let God do the work and not us try to make things happen on our own with no thoughts towards God's at all. It's accepting God's forgiveness, grace, and mercy for us every day. Just like when David was corrected, make sure your heart is towards repentance. Your ears are open, and we ask God to lead us and restore us. David, having a heart after God, allowed him to continue in God's favor and riches and power, even after he committed adultery and murder. And we live under an even better covenant now, where we don't have to offer sacrifices for our mistakes. Jesus died and rose from the grave and saved us from our sins once and for all. And his death wasn't just to save us in the afterlife, but to set us free in this life. He didn't come to earth, live with us, die for us, give us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us so that we live in the shame, guilt, lack of confidence, or slaves to anything. No way. He wants us to live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, in health and in wealth. And this is all given to us because of who God is and how he loves us, not what we do. These goals we have set and these things we are striving to accomplish are not to prove anything to God because God already knew we could never prove ourselves. That's why he sent Jesus. The things we strive for, we do because we have a heart after God's heart. I really wanted this podcast to help set some people free, to know that the most important thing is the posture of your heart, to know that God sees your intentions and he will help you with the outward results. As successful as David was, he wouldn't have been if he didn't have a heart after God's. That's what we see with Saul. Saul tried to do it all on, all on his own. And let's be honest, our wisdom and provision compared to God's wisdom and provision, they're not even comparable. We are stronger and successful when we work with God instead of trying to fight against his plan. Even though I had some great accomplishments in my goals the last couple weeks, I was very overwhelmed this week when looking at my list. I just thought, Lord, I have a, a couple of things on this list for years now, and I just don't know how it's going to happen. I'm tired, and I don't want to quit, but I just don't see myself being able to sustain this work, this work ethic for much longer. Then it was just one downfall after the next, and I was completely discouraged because I didn't have an answer on how to make anything better. And I don't live a life on the bottom. I know the plans the Lord has for me, and I know they're good. So when times like this come up, I fight it. 
I knew I was being attacked by the devil. I knew that all of the things I was working for are furthering the kingdom of God, and the devil doesn't want that to happen. So I just kept trucking along. However, I was still run down and discouraged. I talked to my mom, my oh-so-wise mom, and she said, Ryan, you have done everything you can, and now you need to give it to God and let him take care of you. And immediately after she said it, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. Yep. Thank the Lord for mothers. I didn't realize that even though I was praying about all of these things and doing my due diligence in them, I really was trying to do it all on my own strength. When the devil attacked, I fought back with Bible verses and the name of Jesus. But what I didn't do was seek out God in it and see what he was telling me to do about it. And what he was telling me to do was to slow my roll. I didn't need to see my goals as a do or die. And I didn't need to take on all of the world's problems. He told me, I hold the world in the palm of my hand, so you don't have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. I had to give myself some grace, and then I was set free. I took that correction, and if I start to have any unease, I reach out to God and tell myself, I am really letting God take the lead here. Oh, I'm sorry, I ask myself if I'm really having God take the lead here, or if I'm trying to force my way. And this isn't a confusing thing. You know in your heart where your heart and mind are. Don't overthink it. Don't go the complete opposite direction, where you don't do anything because you have to wait until you audibly hear God tell you do something or you have to see something. No, remember he is Jehovah Nissi. He is your banner, he's on your team, and you work together. But you do let him take the lead always. This, my friends, is what having a heart after God looks like. It's going after the things God has put on your heart. And although you make plans for them, God will direct your steps. And when you follow them, it all works out good in the end anyways. What I want to leave you with this week, because it has been repeatedly put in front of me the last couple weeks, is if it's not good, it's not over. If it's not good, it's not over. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You are called according to his purpose. This is talking about you. God works all things together for your good. Just like after David's sin, God was still able to give Israel their new king. It's not over until it's good. Remember that God is God. He is not an ordinary person. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Alpha and Omega, the author and finisher of our faith, the most powerful power in this entire world who knows how everything works from Earth's core to outer space. We are only human and can only do so much in ourselves. God says in Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30 Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Living a life with a heart after God is easy and light for us. If you are carrying a burden, you are doing it all on your own and not inviting God into that area of your life. We need to let God be God. 
We need him to make supernatural moves for us in this world. We need him to send his angels out to work for us. We need him to give us favor and make everything we touch blessed. We need to let God have the reins to direct our steps. That is how we end up with the best of the best and us enjoying our rest. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you feel encouraged in your relationship with God. You are loved, chosen, forgiven, precious, valued, and your life has meaning. God has good plans for your future. Keep your heart after him and let him lead you. He loves you every single day of your life and is there holding your right hand every morning with new mercy and grace. I hope you dwell on letting God be God and boldly do tell yourself and others that you have a heart after God and that it's not over until it's good.